0: Hi, I'm Lucy Morris and welcome to the ASOS podcast, my big idea. I'm here in the London offices of ASOS to talk to London College of Fashion's Media and Communications Manager, Lindsay Fox. Lindsay has previously worked as a PR, Hugo Boss, and as a fashion writer, at the Daily Mirror. She has over a decade's worth of experience working in communications with international brands such as Marks & Spencer, Nike and T-Mobile and now Lindsay hosts workshops and lectures at the University of the Arts teaching young brands on how to create a digital presence which is what I want to talk to her about today. This is Lindsay's Big Idea. Hi Lindsay, how's it going? Hi, how are you doing? Are you? I'm good, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Thank you for
1: coming in. Not at all, well, thank you for inviting me. Where did you come in from? Uh, Oxford Circus, so based at London College of Fashion. And what exactly do you do there? So I'm a communications manager, but I also lecture. So I do things like looking at social media, digital marketing and PR and all the kind of new skills that graduates and people in business sort of need to have in order to succeed these days. Sort of. And so what does your day to day look like? Well, it's weird because I've actually got two jobs. So a day-to-day is communications manager. So I edit the magazine, I look after newsletters, I manage on the social media sites as well as the website. But in the evenings, I then teach. So last night was social media for fashion. So looking at all the aspects around social media and how it applies to fashion and what you can do to promote your fashion brand using social media. Tonight, it's all about digital marketing, so everything else that goes around. So looking at your website, your user experience, and who your customers are, and understanding them.
0: And um, how did you get into teaching us?
1: Interesting. So I've always been in communications and journalism. That's been my background in fashion. And I went to work at London College of Fashion as communications manager and PR. And what I was really surprised at when speaking to the students was you expect the younger generation to be so savvy on social and I was really taken aback how many of them weren't Mm. and also how daunting it was in speaking to people going oh I just don't get Twitter I don't understand this so it sort of led me to start working on and trying to build in workshops to sort of break it down so people could it's more understandable partly because I think it's not vital that you have to do it, but I think the way the world is going, you have to understand it. You, have to, you can decide not to engage with it, but I don't think in this day and age so saying I don't get social media is a good enough excuse, particularly when you're a graduate going into the market. So what sort of skills do you teach them? Anything from mostly what I really break down is who are you talking to and why are you doing this? That is my big question. Always question what you're doing. But really thinking about what they want from social media or digital or who their customer is and go, right, now I will create content and how to use the different social media channels or their websites. Rather than thinking, I have to do everything and just panicking and throwing everything up against a wall and seeing what sticks and what customers are attracted. So it's really interesting, particularly because I work with a lot of design or... They're trying to think about their designs. They're trying to get the collections ready. They don't have time to think about promotion or... It's just an additional add-on. So it's how to integrate it into what they're doing and make it into bite-sized chunks, more so. So how does that break down into a
0: workshop?
1: Well, what I do is I'll break it down. So I'll start... I'll do anything from a two-hour workshop up to a ten-week course, which is two hours a night for ten weeks. But what I'll do in a workshop is I'll sit and go, right... What do you think of social media? What what's your opinions? And then they'll go, Oh I don't know, or I quite like Facebook or they just and then you'll get some who are so pro mm-hmm. it. And then I'll say, right, who are your customers? Think about what your customers are. Give your customer a name or think about everything that they want. And they go, oh, actually, right, that makes it easier. And then you teach them how to create content for that purpose. So whether it's going... So for ASOS, for example, you're aiming at a 20-year-old girl. Think about what a 24-year-old girl that's so into fashion that's going out on a Saturday night wants from social media. or in... And then once you put it into that perspective, they go, oh, actually, that's a bit
0: more easy to understand. I get that. And what do you find is some of the biggest problems that these people, have, uh, these young brands are facing?
1: I think partly it's, it's either too, not too much for them, but they've kind of just go, I can't do this on top of my normal job because so I'm thinking about design or... I'm thinking about my final collection or I'm thinking about sales so it's just an additional add-on mm. or they just don't see it as a professional tool yet and they haven't seen the benefits of it so that's, it's daunting is probably the biggest thing I hear from anyone I mean I say a lot of it's young graduates but I've got people in my, in my evening classes that are 60 years old or I've one lady that's come back having been out of the business for 10 years and just realised things have kind of gone past her a bit and yeah so it's really for everyone to just understand it and not be scared of it
0: I find it interesting that the young graduates are the ones that are struggling with understanding this as a concept because I would have assumed that they were the ones that already had the skills that are most needed so the photo imagery editing
1: that was my biggest thing and I was fascinated by it because you expect that but I think particularly with fashion people there's a romanticism they still love print they still love pen and paper and We still love a hard copy magazine. So I think from a design and a fashion side, there was maybe a reluctance to it. But I think what has happened is there is this expectation. You know, right, well, you're a graduate, you're getting a job, you're young, you can manage the social media accounts. And they just weren't understanding them. Or they knew the process of how to do it. They just didn't know why they were doing it or how Mm. to optimise it and make it a bit more exciting or a bit more useful.
0: So what do you say to someone who already has some of the channels and players but wants to take them to the next level to make them more, sort of market them, I guess? Mostly
1: the biggest thing is, is question why and go, right, who am I trying to attract on this? Am I trying to attract an employer? And is that employer going to be on Snapchat or are they going to be on Twitter? Think about who you want and why you want to do this social media or why you want to use these channels. And then once you put your head in the mindset of that person, it becomes a bit easier. So you go, well, actually, if it's an employer and they see me on Twitter, they want to see my work. They want to see great imagery. They want to see me not swear and be drunk with my friends on a Saturday night. (laughs) So it's about putting yourself in that mindset and
0: then... Do you show people how to translate their personal social media platforms into brands or is it from a brand perspective? Both. So basically I
1: really believe there's fundamental rules for it all. So you can do anything to promote yourself, which particularly a lot of the graduates or solo business owners will come in to do. And it's how to add their own personality into it, but also someone who's going into a multinational company and just wants to make the mark. So it's the same rules apply. And do you follow these wars on your own social platform? Interestingly, since I started teaching, I closed my own social platform.
0: Oh, really? <laughs> yeah.
1: for, for my own reason, partly because I'm on—I manage seven different channels for various clients. So I, I was only seeing so much. You yeah. think, right? I'm, I mean, I am on social media—not me per, as me personally, but for business—for about six to seven hours a day, monitoring it. So it become—it can be very, very overwhelming. But yeah, I'm very conscious of what I put out there personally, particularly as you have to practice what you preach.
0: And how did you go from, I had originally PR, into digital social media? Well, it's interesting because I
1: actually had planned to be a journalist, that was my thing. So PR was this sort of, fell into it, Mm. shall we say, and it worked out quite well. And then I went back into journalism and I saw PR and journalism starting to change, particularly when we see magazines and newspapers dropping off and disappearing and going online. So it was a bit of a personal interest more so than something that I was sort of forced to do. And I thought, right, I can get ahead of the curve here and go right again. So yeah, that was, it was personal interest more so and self-taught a lot of it. And then just, I think, the way the nature of the industry has gone, particularly the fashion industry, has really embraced social media in the last few years. It was quite interesting
0: to get involved. And what do you think the next space is for these fashion brands and social media?
1: Well, I go to a lot of talks and a lot of trends and trend talks and things. And it's basically interesting. One of the biggest things we've seen is about chatbots, which is really weird. Apparently, yeah, we're all going to be talking to robots within the next five to six years, which is going to be scary. Um, but yeah, there's just things like Snapchat and we've, I've seen social media really democratise fashion and people can really get behind the scenes at photo shoots and stuff. So it's not this one glossy message. People really want, as customers, we really want to see the personality of the brand and behind the scenes, so brands have had to react to that and go, right, what can we do? And ASOS is a brilliant example of it, if you do your videos behind the scenes or chat with um, and different stuff, whereas you see other brands that are quite closed off, like some of the luxury brands, we're like, no, no messages, we're not putting our photos out. And I think they're the ones that are going to fail. The brands that are more accessible and more understandable and reach out to their customers are the ones that will do well.
0: I think that's interesting, and I think that it's a space where I guess PR and journalism are crossing over as well. So your background instantly merges. It is, and yeah, it's that sort of democratization is a word
1: I always use. Of yeah, and it come we are all we're all becoming journalists. That sort of Mm. citizen journalism where we've all got our own opinions and we can share it. But yeah, it does merge, and I think that's sometimes with the way the industry moves. And there's less jobs, so you have to be able to do a bit of everything or
0: yeah you just create your own job on social and have you seen people who have graduated from your workshops and your courses go on to start a successful social media yeah platform? there's
1: some really interesting ones that i've seen there's people who have got great channels i've actually got one of the girls in my class at the moment she has got 140,000 followers on instagram which i'm like that is incredible it doesn't sound like uh, she needs a uh, workshop yeah. <laughs> she, well she's sort of it's trying to find what does she do with that venue? like mm. how do i make money really exciting I had one of the students that I worked with who'd actually come through one of our kids company workshops and come and he's just now got a job in social media so that was really exciting to be able to see him go through mm. and do it but yeah you see them all starting up own businesses so they'll send me things to check all the time and that's
0: quite encouraging. So how would someone who has over 100,000 followers Make that more of a business opportunity, monetiser?
1: I mean, there is fantastic money to be made in social media. So you start, you can work with affiliate programs with brands so that you can get some money back if you do it carefully. You can do advertising on social media. I mean, there's, there's some bloggers and people are making up to sort of thirty thousand pounds a month in advertising on their social media, which
0: they they're went crazy. The
1: I yeah, I <laughs> am. Um, so there are there are ways it's not an easy automatically I have these numbers therefore it's going it's a slow build and it goes back to that thing of knowing why you want to do it and what your content is and not just creating content because you know it will get you money it's thinking about why what your purpose is and what is the longevity with something like that it's weird, because we haven't really seen it. Yeah. We've seen people coming in sort of three, four, five years. I mean, you look at someone who I think is incredible. It's Man Repeller in New York. Mm. And what she's made on the back of her blogs and now going into sort of doing a lot of collaborations. She is a business owner now and she's a founder. I think I read an article that she's now got upwards of ten staff. So wow. it's a magazine. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, and it's incredible the way they're working. So... We haven't seen it start to peter out yet, so we don't really know where it will go. It's just, But you'll see the ones who can adapt to it quickly and sort of be quite innovative. They're the ones that will succeed. So is it important to be one of the first with a new platform? I don't think it's important to be the first. I think it's important to do something interesting with it. Or if you are the first, it's to constantly evolve because you'll mm. see people come in. And we see that a lot with bloggers. As you think, some of the most incredible bloggers that are still about now, They've built up over seven years. Their blog didn't start as the most glossy, fantastic thing. So you need to allow these things to evolve and
0: constantly change and constantly adapt to the market. I keep hearing a lot about Snapchat. Yeah. Um and I'm personally addicted, but I wouldn't even know how to start branding that. Do you think that that Instagram advertising is going to move into? I think it definitely will. It's not something we've seen massively
1: yet, with, but brands like Burberry, the stuff they're doing on Instagram is fantastic. And brands, particularly fashion in the last year or so, has really embraced Snapchat, and they've done some quite exciting things. But as I say, the, the people who are on it just now grew up so it'll be interesting to see how that adapts and how it makes money but we haven't really seen anyone, individuals making their money purely through Snapchat yet but
0: I'm sure it'll come Did you always think your career would end up with teaching the next generation how to use absolutely <laughs> yeah. not, I was so painfully shy
1: when I was at university I couldn't do any presentations so when I go into lectures of 150 students I'm standing there going, how on earth did I get here, what <laughs> am I doing and yeah sometimes halfway through a bit of a lecture I just get this sort of momentary panic that I don't know if it shows on my face but it feels like it does, <laughs> but yeah it was really not something I expected until I got this job at London College of Fashion which had started as a temporary job I um, And I find it really interesting and it is rewarding. Mm. And it's just nice to be sort of at the forefront of different people doing different things and seeing that. So how do you deal with the panic of being in front of a whole
0: classroom of people? You
1: really have to know your stuff. So I've found if you've got enough anecdotes that you can pull out and sort of rely on. And there's one of my classes I do in three different formats, different weeks. And I sometimes have to say to them, if I've told you this before, stick your hand up because I'm forgetting (laughs) which class I'm speaking to. But yeah, I've got a theme song that I play in my head before I go into the show that just calms me down. (laughs) Um, And yeah, it's just about appearing confident. Appealing is always the sort of operative word there. As long as it doesn't show, you're fine.
0: And what skills do you think you picked up along the course of your career from PR to journalist that has helped you? My biggest thing is I've always thought very editorially.
1: And you mm. always put your mind of the consumer or the customer, but not thinking from the brand point of view of I've got to sell this product. You go, what does someone want from this product? What mm. makes it interesting? So I always think you're one step ahead of the game if you can think... From the opposite way. But say you've got you're a small business. You want to promote yourself. Think about why you're special to someone else and what put them at the forefront of what you do.
0: Suggested. Did, did you study?
1: Yes. So I did marketing management, and then I studied at London College of Fashion, fashion promotion, which was PR and journalism. So, so you're going
0: full circle. Yeah, it's
1: really weird. Some of my old lecturers are now colleagues, and it's really <laughs> bizarre. That is bizarre.
0: Yeah. Um, did you ever have a ma- mentor? I'm always sort of curious about. Interestingly,
1: no. I've met people along the way that I've thought, I really admire you and stuff. I've learned from some really bad people that what I didn't (laughs) want to be, which is sometimes a lot more useful to see what you want. But yeah, I mentor some that I would have actually probably really benefited from. Mm. And it's something I try to do as much as I can when I meet any students or graduates or things. Because I was like, I would have loved it if I'd had this kind of information.
0: Yeah, is it? I guess that whole relationship bond that you're now having with your students, it must be quite important to foster. Yeah. I think it
1: really is. And it's, I mean, again, sometimes they don't like you, sometimes they do, it's all this. <laughs> but I know from either having tutors that I liked or working with people that I've really admired, the benefits I got from them, I'd like to get myself in a position where I could do that for someone else.
0: One last question. Okay. What CV skills do you impart to your students? think about the biggest thing I ever got told is don't
1: put think of what is an actual skill and what is an achievement because people will put on things like things that are effectively them just doing their job think about what is a genuine achievement and this it was very Americanised this course I went to but it stuck in my head where he said if it wasn't for you doing that it wouldn't have happened so really think about these really extra special things that you would and also the bit that you would bring to that role and what you achieved well so the big thing they always say is tailor your CV and that's the thing that you always get told and I will get 10 CVs a day and they're not tailored or it's to whom you may concern and wherever I've worked they just delete an email if you haven't bothered to find out that person's name that you're sending it to respectively just, so just put that little bit of extra effort in because you're going to put yourself one, ahead of step, one step ahead of your competitors very useful
0: thank you Lindsay thank you That was Lindsay's Big Idea. Tune in next week to hear the next installment of this series. Head to Acast, iTunes, or your other favorite podcast apps to subscribe. Bye. Hey, it's Paige
1: DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.